Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mystic Show. I'm happy to have you here. Today is um, today's Halloween, actually, October thirty first, twenty thirteen, and uh, yeah, happy you could join us. I have several really nice topics planned. Hopefully, uh, if you want to, you can also reach out and contribute your own ideas to the show. We do the show live every weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. That's New York City time. It's a one-hour show. We also replay it a couple times in the evening, uh, 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. Eastern Time. And, uh, of course, we broadcast and replay on the Fractal Stream, which is our internet radio station. And our website is themysticshow.net. And there... If you go there, you can find our phone number, our Skype handle, you can call us on the phone, you can call us on Skype for free from anywhere in the world. And also, if you uh, if you want to go back and peruse the, uh, the previous episodes we've done, you can do that on the website pretty easily. It's really cool. Actually, I've been tagging all the posts with uh, keywords, so you can... When you go to the website, themysticshow.net, you look on the left side and you can see um, you can see all the keywords and stuff. So you can click on keywords and it'll bring up the posts that contain that keyword. So you can search by subject. I mean, some of the subjects we discuss, you might really want to hear about. Some of them, eh, not so much. That's all right. But in general, our show is about spirituality personal development, uh, mindfulness. Really, for the show is meant for folks who are on the spiritual path. Maybe you're doing a certain meditation practice. Maybe you're reading certain books. Maybe you're interested in these topics. Maybe, uh, maybe you attend some meetup groups. And you're just interested in all this stuff, and maybe you're practicing it. Maybe you're traveling across the world to go learn from uh, from a spiritual master, or go stay in an ashram, or visit uh, I don't know a monastery. My wife and I want to go to uh, the Himalayas, actually. In uh, India, in Tibet, in Nepal. I mean, we, we know we want to go over there, but we haven't really decided exactly where we're going to go uh, or when. But definitely within a few years, I think that's going to happen. Um, that area has such such history when it comes to spirituality that uh, I'd, it'd be great to see that place. It would also be great to see Kashmir in India, but apparently that's still not a safe place to go, uh, I've been told. Anyway, so uh, have you gone anywhere in the world to uh, check out any spiritual places? I wonder. If you want to call me and tell me, you can. And by the way, I think if... <laughs> The next phone call I receive or the or the Skype call I receive, I think I'm going to like jump out of my chair when the phone rings. It's going to it's going to frighten me. It's going to surprise me that much. So, let's jump right in. 
today's third well today's halloween um i don't know do you make a big deal out of halloween i guess if you have kids you know obviously it's a big deal and it's fun for the kids right i remember growing up myself when you know we would decide which cost which costumes we wanted to wear what character we wanted to be and then you have to you know then of course mom has to make sure that you're wearing enough warm clothes because sometimes on halloween it's pretty cold and uh unfortunately if you're supposed to be superman wearing tights which i've never been by the way and i've never worn either by the way um but if you're supposed to be wearing like a really tight-fitting uh, costume, but it's 30 degrees outside, then mom wants you to put like your coat on underneath the costume, which is crazy. I mean, come on, mom. What, what do you want me to do here? <laughs> so Halloween, yeah. And, you know, it just kind of reminds you, um, because I think I saw a Facebook post probably two or three or four weeks ago that said that there was a store that was already playing Christmas music and it was like literally mid-October, maybe even early October. And it kind of makes you cringe a little bit, right? I mean, seems like the holidays have become so commercial. You know, it's all about people buying stuff and companies marketing stuff and starting earlier. And I mean, now like Black Friday, which is, I guess, the day after Thanksgiving, right? Which is the big shopping day. Apparently now all kinds of stores are starting to open up on on Thursday evening, Thanksgiving evening. And so what's next? Then they're going to be open Thanksgiving day. Then they're going to make it, you know, then they're going to go to the Wednesday night, the day before they, you know. Everybody has to outdo each other and and all these people who have jobs in marketing who want to keep their job, they're pushing the envelope so much. I mean, it happens with, I think, a lot of the holidays. Um, and in a way, it's natural, but in a way, it's a little bit, uh, I don't know, kind of turns your stomach a little at times, kind of nauseates me. But again... In 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 a big way, it has nothing to do with my spiritual progress. So we just have to accept it and, and move on. But I will say holidays, they do serve a purpose. I mean, because the average person who does not spend any time thinking about or practicing spirituality, um, maybe they're just working a lot, like kind of like a workaholic and and maybe they spend their weekends just kind of drowning their sorrows or, you know, busy in, uh, you know, mundane hobbies and physical activities. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, for most people, a ho- the holidays are a, a nice break. You know, you get to just have a little fun, relax. It takes your mind off work and everything. So so even though they at times they might be nauseating, I think these holidays do they do play some significant uh, role, um, not to everybody, but to, to a lot of people. So I'm actually going to play, take a little break here because I'm about to sneeze. And 
I don't want to do that, so one second, I'll be right back. Wow, I really almost sneezed and, <laughs> and everything, so thanks for uh, allowing me that little break. I I put aside a stack of tissues here on my left, and I just went through half of them. <laughs> and uh, we're only nine minutes into the show, or so. So, yeah, this is The Mystic Show. Happy you can join me. Let's jump right in. Uh, the book we're reading from is called Above Life's Turmoil. By James Allen, the English mystic whose work we really appreciate. And that's putting it mildly. And this, okay, so yesterday we read the piece called Belief, the Basis of Action. And he talked about how belief, you know, conditions our actions and really that are if you want to know someone's beliefs just look at their actions and you can tell their beliefs so what someone says or what someone writes is doesn't really mean anything i mean it might be true but it might not be true you can't judge or evaluate a person's uh beliefs based on what they say you have to base it on what they do because the beliefs themselves condition the action they cause you to take certain action. So in the next passage here, he's he's going to take it a step further. And it's really, we're hopefully we could talk about it afterwards. And hopefully you can call in and chat with me about it. Because he makes probably the most important distinction that we can all make. And that modern society would benefit greatly if it made this distinction. So let's see, I'm, I'm, I mean, he says it plainly, so you'll, you'll know what it is. But let's get started. This is called uh, The Belief That Saves. And again, it's from Above Life's Turmoil by James Allen. It has been said that a man's whole life and character is the outcome of his belief. And also, that his belief has nothing whatever to do with his life. Both statements are true. The confusion and contradiction of these two statements are only apparent and are quickly dispelled when it is remembered that there are two entirely distinct kinds of beliefs, namely head belief and heart belief. Head, or intellectual belief, is not fundamental and causative, 
but it is superficial and consequent, and that it has no power in the molding of a man's character. The most superficial observer may easily see. Take, for instance, half a dozen men from any creed. They not only hold the same theological belief, but confess the same articles of faith in every particular. And yet, their characters are vastly different. One will be just as noble as another is ignoble. One will be mild and gentle, another coarse and irascible. One will be honest, another dishonest. One will indulge certain habits, which another will rigidly abjure, and so on, plainly indicating that theological belief is not an influential factor in a man's life. A man's theological belief is merely his intellectual opinion or view of the universe. God, the Bible, etc. And behind and underneath this head belief, there lies, deeply rooted in his innermost being, the hidden, silent, secret belief of his heart. And it is this belief which molds and makes his whole life. It is this which makes those six men who, whilst holding the same theology, are yet so vastly at variance in their deeds. They differ in the vital belief of the heart. What, then, is this heart belief? It is that which a man loves and clings to and fosters in his soul. For he thus loves and clings to and fosters in his heart, because he believes in them. And believing in them and loving them, he practices them. Thus is his life the effect of his belief. But it has no relation to the particular creed which comprises his intellectual belief. One man clings to impure and immoral things because he believes in them. A man cannot cling to anything unless he believes in it. Belief always precedes action. Therefore, a man's deeds and life are the fruits of his belief. The priest and the Levite who passed by the injured and helpless man held, no doubt, very strongly to the theological doctrines of their fathers. That was their intellectual belief. But in their hearts, 
They did not believe in mercy, and so lived and acted accordingly. The Good Samaritan may or may not have had any theological beliefs, nor was it necessary that he should have. But in his heart, he believed in mercy and acted accordingly. Strictly speaking, there are only two beliefs which vitally affect life, and they are belief in good and belief in evil. He who believes in all those things that are good will love them and live in them. He who believes in those things that are impure and selfish will love them and cling to them. The tree is known by its fruits. A man's belief about God, Jesus, and the Bible are one thing. His life, as bound up in his actions, is another. Therefore, a man's theological belief is of no consequence. But the thoughts which he harbors, his attitude of mind towards others, and his actions, these, and these only, determine and demonstrate whether the belief of a man's heart is fixed in false or true. All right, that's called the belief that saves. And we'll just take a quick little break. One of these days I'm gonna sit down and write a long letter To all the good friends I've known And I'm gonna try To thank them all for the good times together Though so apart we've grown Yes, Neil Young actually talking about writing a letter reminds me of a of a uh, a challenge I accepted yesterday, right? So today is Halloween, October 31st. Yesterday was the 30th. And I interviewed a great author named uh, Michael Mayer and he has a website called Notevember. So it's it's November. It's not November. It's Notevember, because he really advocates writing handwritten notes. And Notevember is all about writing thirty handwritten notes over the course of the thirty days of November. And uh, so I I'm, I took the challenge, and actually later today I have to 
go on his site and get set up and I don't know. I think I have to buy some some letters and some envelopes and <laughs> uh yeah, I might need some help with that. But but yeah, I'm going to I'm going to take the challenge because writing handwritten notes is something I've always wanted to do. I mean, whenever you receive one, it's really special, right? I mean, most times unless it's just like you know, a stock card and someone just scribbles their name on it to sign it. But when someone actually writes a personalized message that's meaningful, I mean, that's pretty That's pretty good. That's pretty real and authentic, sort of like the opposite of this, you know, some of these internet marketing tactics, tactics where you just spray your message all over the place and hope that people see it type thing. Very impersonal. Anyhow, so I'm going to take that challenge. I'll let you know how it goes. And uh, you probably knew it, but you're listening to The Mystic Show. And we're live every weekday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, which is, I think, noon in the UK and uh, Spain. And I think it's 4.30 p.m. in uh, India. So if we have any Indian listeners... Welcome to the show, and feel free to call on Skype. Our handle is FractalStream. All right, or you could call on the phone. So, yeah, so the belief that saves. We just read this passage from James Allen, and I mean, so here he, and you you got the message, I'm sure. He clearly states the difference between head belief and, and heart belief. So, right, we've all kind of come up against this in our lives, the difference between our head and our heart. I think in decision-making it comes up a lot because a lot of times with decisions we don't know, we're confused. We, we're getting mixed signals from, from ourselves. And... Um, and some of it's from the head, from the intellect, and some of it's from the heart. You know, the intellect is just all about, you know, the intellect is like a computer, right? It just, if you give it a problem, it'll, you know, it'll solve the problem. It'll figure out the most efficient answer or, you know, the straightest, you know, the, the, shortest distance between two points it'll you know it'll find that and you know when you're shopping for bargains or you're negotiating the price of something yeah the intellect is handy and the intellect is handy for a, a lot of things especially in the US where everything is so systematized and uh you know you got to kind of follow the rules you have to know the rules and then follow them um so the intellect is very handy. We need it, uh, well, we need it to get by in our physical lives. Uh, but the heart is something different. The heart is, uh, it's hard to put into words, right? Because it's more of a feeling. It's more, it's like kind of like your conscience, you know? Your conscience knows what is right. You know when you do something wrong and you just feel very subtly that, oh, that that's not right. Something's not right. 
I think that's your heart saying, hey, you know, come on, you know, you know what to do. And so the heart, you know, my spiritual guide says when it comes to decisions and and that kind of thing, he says, when in doubt, refer to the heart. Because the heart being connected to divinity will always give the right answer. And here's the thing, though. You have to be ready to receive that answer. And by being ready, um, well, there's a couple different aspects of being ready. Number one is you have to, you know, that's what... One reason meditation is so vital is that it regulates our mind and it it lets us calm our mind down enough where we can actually, in some sense, hear what our heart is saying. Because if our minds are running wild, just going crazy, you know, unstoppable, untamable, it's hard to, to kind of hear what your heart is saying. And I say hear what your heart is saying, but it's not that you're listening for something. I mean, it, it's just a feeling, right? So that's part of being ready to receive what your heart is saying, being able to calm down enough and, you know, center yourself and relax enough to basically hear what your heart is saying. The other aspect of being being able to receive what your heart is saying is... And this one is, I think, well, it's probably just as difficult, but uh, it's probably more difficult. And this this is basically that when you get the message from your heart, you have to have the courage to act on it. And that's not easy because, well, a lot of times what our heart tells us is different than what our habits are. So then you have your conscience which is your heart telling you to do one thing and you have your habits and your intellect telling you to do something else. So, right, it can become a little, it, it's not easy. Certainly it's not easy. And, uh, but that's the difference between the heart and the intellect. And of course, this show being all about spirituality, uh, I mean, if this show was about how to uh, how to find the best deals on buying a new TV? Okay, then we can use our intellect, right? Then we can go on the internet. We can we can do a lot of things with our intellect. But this show is about spirituality. This is all about coming back to your essence, coming back to who you really are. You know that person you are, maybe late at night, right before you go to sleep. Or maybe in the middle of the night if you wake up for a little bit. You know, that's just you being with yourself and you being a little closer to your essence. So the other thing James Allen says, and he's, you know, in this book he's kind of, well, in the last few passages he's mentioned it a few times about um, a person's theological belief, right? Their religion, basically. 
And here he says, and, and this is kind of bold and you know, this is, this could be very controversial. And I really, I want to know your reaction to this because I'll tell you my reaction, but basically what he says is that here, I'll read the sentence. A man's theological belief is merely his intellectual opinion or view of the universe. So they're right. He's basically saying that your religious beliefs are just your, an opinion. And, uh, where, where else does he say it? Well, in general, he's saying that this, these opinions or this intellectual view of the world has no bearing on, on your heart and on, on your belief, on your true belief of your heart and in turn your action. So right. He talks about six individuals who all, let's say they're all from the same religion but they're all different people and they're all different characters. And one is honest. One is not honest. And this is what I realized growing up as well. I would go to church. I was raised Catholic. I'd go to church. I'd see everybody being real quiet, you know, looking down, no one smiling, everyone being real nice, you know, saying, excuse me, pardon me, or please go, you know, you go first, (laughs) you know, giving your seat to someone else, whatever. You know, everyone's real nice and and real, you know, quote unquote spiritual. And then church is over and everybody leaves and then everybody just goes back to being the jerk that they were pretty much. Most people, right? And I said, I I knew in my heart, something, this isn't right. Something's wrong here. There's not, uh, this is not congruent action. This is not someone, these are not people who are being true to themselves. Um, or another way to put it is they're, they weren't going to the essence of themselves. You know, going to church had just become uh, a mechanical activity that they can check off their checklist that says, okay, I did that. We're done. Now what? So, and, and, and that's just what James Allen is saying that, you know, you can believe and, you know, your intellectual belief can be in any religion. doesn't matter. Pick a religion. You can believe it. That's fine. But what your true beliefs are in your heart, those beliefs are what cause you to take certain action and, and develop a certain character. And that character, you know, that's what's important. It's not what religion you're in. It's not how big your house is, how much money you have. None of that is important. Your your character is much more important than all that stuff in terms of a spiritual pursuit. And the character is just the beginning. Then after that, there's a whole, you know, almost a spiritual science, you could call it, where there's, uh, you know, subtler realms and... and different levels of realizations you can have and, and, and feelings and, and things like that. So, right. Spirituality gets very subtle the higher you go. So, and see, I told you I was going to jump. I told you I was going to jump when the phone rings. Let's see who it is. Hi, welcome to the mystic show. Who's this? Hi, this is Satya. 
Satya, welcome to the Mystic Show. And and by the way, you're uh, you're live on the air. I just have to tell you that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Know. So uh, so how are you, bro? Good. Yeah, I, I wanted to make a few comments on the on the I guess belief. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> chapter that you were I guess uh, reading yesterday and today. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean that explains a lot of you know. Uh, a lot of things about, you know, why the fundamentalists behave the way they do. Uh, you know, one, that's that's one thing. Right? You know, why they are so intolerant of, you know, others such as, you know, gays and other things that happens in this country. Uh, right. So the people who, who are real, like, devoutly uh, or devoted to their religion, they since yeah. they're so intellectual that they just try to block out everything, right? Yeah, and act uh, self-righteous. Um, because they are just quoting the Bible, they are not emulating, you know, Christ. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah. I, I guess that happens. Yeah, uh, that big... happens a lot everywhere in this country <laughs> and you know around the world as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, right? That's got to happen everywhere. So, um, yeah, and it's just there's a certain amount of fear there as well, Satya. Don't you think? Like, yeah. pe- like there's they're so. If people are so devout to their religion and intolerant of any, anyone else, um, really they're just kind of displaying that they're afraid, right? That their that their quote unquote opinion may not be right. <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I wanted to say the you know uh, some of the things that the the new pope is saying uh, and you know and acting on it is kind of revolutionary. I think uh, over the last few weeks he has, you know, given several interviews and, you know, uh, and talked to people and even just how he is behaving. Uh, for example, I think yesterday I read uh, that he said, don't just say the prayers, you know, you have to pray. You know, there's a difference between praying and just saying the prayers. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> That what you know, and thank God, <laughs> right? Thank God, thank God that you know that there's a pope who's actually saying things like this. That's sort of going back to the the essence and the the the, the important yeah, I, aspect. I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think he has the courage, uh, you know, to say these things. Even I think he said very you know controversial in some of the you know fundamentalist circles. Uh, for example, I think, you know, ideology is what is driving people away from, you know, Christianity, you know, uh, you know, so we have to change our attitude, we have to be more compassionate, more caring. Uh, I mean, going back to the basics, I think, in, but the way he's saying, I think it's kind of revolutionary, uh, at least, you know, from in, in my lifetime, that he's not just conforming to the ideology, but, you know, that shows that you know he really gets it. Yes, and and I love and that's good. He's encouraging folks to go deeper and yeah. stuff. It's yeah. very refreshing. Yeah, I, and uh, yeah. One more thing I wanted to say was you know yesterday you were talking about how to change your belief. Right. I think uh, you're referring to your friend who wanted to quit smoking. Yes, uh, and yeah, I mean, I guess. You know, you need to uh, do something to change your belief, but you won't, you know, and unless you do something, you're not going to change your belief. That's, you know, I think you, you talked about thinking and talking to others. 
uh, w- one thing that I, I, I remember, I guess this was from Diskanya um, Khartoli and Oprah, and somebody called in, you know, about his addiction to smoking. And he said he was, you know, he was trying to practice Eckhart Tolle's principles of, you know, being in the now and, you know, mindfulness and everything. And so when the craving came, you know, he didn't just run out to get another cigarette. He said, you know, I just observe the craving, you know, and be with it, to kind of being in the present. And miraculously, he quit by just practicing this. In, within half an hour, he, he had quit his smoking habit of almost, you know, 10 years or 20 years. Um, so... And he did it... You know, that, ju- yeah, and he did it just from becoming aware and just basically yes. acknowledging that feeling in the moment, right? Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, you know, we all know that, you know, you know, meditation and spirituality will help, you know, dealing with some of these habits. But not everybody is ready for that. But even just simple practices like like mindfulness, you know, can help uh, cope with uh, some of these addictions. And, you know, Tolly said, you know, this is this is a miraculous story. I mean, this, is not, this may not happen to everybody in such a, you know, quick manner. Uh, but even then, if you practice, you know, just, you know, if you're smoking maybe, you know, five cigarettes a day or ten cigarettes, even if you are able to, you know, reduce that by one or two and, and then practice that, and maybe it will ultimately lead to, you know, uh, quitting it entirely. So uh, I just wanted to, you know, say that and uh, bring that because I remember that, you know, person calling in and, you know, telling this uh, miraculous recovery from addiction. Uh, That's a great... using a simple technique. <laughs> right? It's so... It just shows you the power of simple techniques. And like you mentioned, yeah. it's it's sort of, you know, not everyone's experience is going to be like that because obviously yeah. that person was ready, ready. <laughs> at yeah. the time to, you know, they, he had, that person probably had done a lot of work already, uh, like pre-work almost, that, so he was ready to just quit. It reminds yeah, me of yeah. um, a book called, um, uh, actually by Aleister Crowley. It's funny, it's Halloween, and I'm talking about Aleister Crowley. <laughs> uh, he wrote a book called The Diary of a Drug Fiend. And it's about a guy and his girlfriend who just were, I mean, really super huge drug addicts, like heroin all day, every day, just, I mean, like the worst drug addict you can think of. And um, they met this guy who, and I wanted to go back and read this book. I just haven't had the time. They met this guy who, who basically, they said he had kind of like stamped out all of his ego and he was more just really a, like a real human being or something, you know, not like a spiritual guru or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. someone who had, has total self-control and, and integrity and whatever. And, and this man, I, I can't remember his name. The man told him, uh, that, look, I can help you get off the drugs. And, and the drug addict said, okay, what do we have to do? And, and the, the man said, uh, I can't think of his name. He said, look, don't try to quit all at once. He said, here's what I want you to do. When you mm-hmm. feel like you want to take some drugs, he said, just wait. Just try to wait five more yeah. minutes. And then if you wait five minutes, maybe try to wait another one or two minutes. And 
so basically that that's it and that it actually worked because every time he would want more of the drugs he would just tr- say okay i'm gonna have the drugs but i'm gonna wait five more minutes or ten more minutes or maybe an yeah. hour and basically by doing that he kept stretching out the time until it became like you know he it just he just left it behind right i thought that was pretty cool yeah yeah yeah, I mean, you know, it, it won't happen, you know, in a miraculous way every time. <laughs> and for most people, you know, it won't. But if you stick with that, you know, practice and technique, you know, maybe it will slowly, you can kind of wean off on, on from your addiction. Right. So you go, yeah. you taking uh, the kids out for Halloween today, Satya? <laughs> <laughs> well, my kids are a little bit older, so they are on their own. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So, uh yeah. Well, thank you, Satya, for calling. Okay. You're welcome. Yep. Take care. All right. Thank you, Satya. And, yeah, those very good points he made about mindfulness and stuff. And, and yeah, belief, right? Look how, look how deep this rabbit hole goes with belief. So uh, let's take a quick break. Welcome back to The Mystic Show. I'm Chris Curran, sitting here in my studio, Fractal Recording, in northern New Jersey, on a kind of like a gloomy day. Well, cloudy, I should say. Not quite. It's a little early still uh, (laughs) to call it gloomy. Um, So, yeah, and uh, we're having this Mystic Show. We're having a mystical experience here, and uh, thanks to Satya for calling in. Any, if any of you uh, other listeners want to call in, please do. Um, there's actually so yesterday we were talking about. Um, well, before I mention that, just I want to make sure you know the website, themysticshow.net. You can go there. All the past episodes, our phone number, our Skype handle, everything is on the website themysticshow.net and uh and also our great friends over at pauseyourlife.org if you want to check out pauseyourlife.org meetups and retreats and uh, you know for if you ever feel like you need to just hit the pause button on your life and actually take a few deep breaths and just put all your activities on hold for a few hours or a few days pauseyourlife.org is the way to go. We're actually having a, a meetup tomorrow night. We're screening a spiritual film. And uh, actually, somebody from the meetup group asked, "What can you give us the name of the film that we're going to be watching? And uh, I didn't respond. Not sure if my wife responded. Um, and it's not that we're trying to keep it a secret, but uh, I mean, you know. Sometimes you have to leave some things to chance, <laughs> right? 
anyhow, pauseyourlife.org. There's a daily email you can get as well. It's called the Daily Pause. Great quotes. Great inspirational quotes. So yesterday we were talking about um, the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And we were also talking about... um, um, it, well, we told the story about uh, Edwin Barnes, who wanted to become business partners with uh, Thomas Edison. And the whole concept was definiteness of purpose, right? And if we're very definite about our purpose, when we begin to do something, to do a certain activity or practice, uh, it, it greatly helps us to achieve the goal of that practice, now, in a spiritual practice, it's, you know, the spiritual goal seems to be very elusive. It's, you know, oneness with God. Okay, what does that mean? Uh, God realization. Okay, what does that mean? Self-realization. All right. Okay, well, we have a vague idea, but again, these, these, this spiritual goal is beyond our own mind, so there's no way we can really think about it. But that's okay because we can feel that it's there, right? Again, coming back to the heart and feeling. Um, So when we do any spiritual practice, we have to have our purpose in mind. And um, I just met with a person yesterday who wants to begin meditation. And, you know, same story as a lot of people who, you know, that they were born into a religion. They didn't, I mean, it was okay they learn some things and but then they realize that there's something more and then they want to find out what what that is they want to explore the unknown and uh it's a very healthy spiritual desire in fact you know buddha said cut the chain of desire and you'll be in nirvana right and and many spiritual teachers say that desire is the enemy of spirituality, right? Well, one way you can look at desire is that base on on a spiritual level, if you um basically drop all your worldly desires in and in in place of that have just one spiritual desire, which is to reach the ultimate goal of, you know, merging with the divine or oneness with God or, you know, again, whatever you want to call that. Um, And again, that's being clear on your purpose. So there's another story in the book I wanted to, actually, there's two stories. I don't know if I could, I could probably tell them both Um, in in the book, Think and Grow Rich. Real, real nice stories that I don't know if you've heard before, but uh, one of them is about a group of men who were looking for gold. And this was back during the gold rush era, or probably later than the actual gold rush era, um, because they actually had some machinery to dig for the gold. Um, but yeah, they uh, these guys on the East Coast, I think their company was in Virginia or something, and they heard there was some land out in, I don't know, somewhere out west, and they, as an investment, they said, okay, we're, we heard that this land is good and there may be gold on this land. 
and we're going to invest some money. We're going to buy some equipment. We're going to ship it all out there. We're all going to go out there and uh, we're going to dig for gold because, and they had the land checked out. There was a, a surveyor who came and said, yeah, the land looks good. There may be some gold here. You know, there may be some gold over there. Basically, it was one spot that the that the surveyor said, yeah, there's there might may be gold right here. So they brought out all the equipment and they started digging in the ground. And they kept digging and digging and they didn't find any gold. So they kept digging and now months and months have gone by. And there's no gold. <laughs> they haven't found anything. And they got the surveyor out again to look at it and he says, yeah, you know, I, it may be here it looks pretty good. Looks like a good area and you know, whatever. And they said, okay, so we'll keep digging. So they kept digging. And after, you know, so many months had gone by, I don't know, let's say six, six months. And they had found no gold. And finally they decided to quit. And that's actually that sentence that I just said is actually the the important sentence in this whole story. Finally, they decided to quit. Okay? So they packed up all the equipment and uh, actually they just found someone local and just sold them the equipment for really cheap because they didn't want to ship it back to the East Coast. They found someone, they said, yeah, buy, you know, you can buy our equipment, just give us some money. And they, they took the money and they left. They went back they went back to the East Coast, and the guy who bought the equipment, he uh, he looked at the land. Well, he had looked at the land, and he said, it looks pretty good. And um, so he's looking at the equipment, and he says, hey, let's start it up. Let's start looking for some gold. And so he started the equipment, and he started digging in the earth, and literally he dug three more feet in the earth and he found the gold and it was a big vein of gold. And instantly the guy was a millionaire and he hit the jackpot, but he only dug three more feet than these other guys. These guys had probably dug, you know, thousands of feet, literally thousands and thousands of feet. They were digging for months and months, but finally they decided to quit. And guess what? If they had dug three more feet, they would have achieved their goal. So the the moral to this story is pretty obvious, right? That, well, one that's not so obvious, one point that's not so obvious is that quitting is a decision. Right? Did you ever think about that? That quitting is a decision? You have to decide to quit. Or you could decide to keep going. And of course, there's right times and wrong times to do both of them, right? And that's life. We make decisions. Um, but it can be very critical to know that a lot of times when our pers- we are pursuing our goals, and, and this I would say this applies in the spiritual realm as well, there's a lot of times we're going to put forth a lot of effort. We're going to put forth time, 
effort, maybe money. And it may seem like we're not getting anywhere. It may seem like you're not achieving anything. But the thing is, you never really know when you're going to achieve it. Right? You don't know. So, on a spirit in a spiritual sense, you could be practicing meditation for years and years and maybe you throw your hands up and you say, "You know what? I don't think I'm benefiting. I'm I quit." But maybe if you continued, maybe you just had to meditate for literally 20 more minutes and you would have achieved your spiritual goal. I mean, you may have meditated for 20 years and you, and you may have been so close, 20 more minutes you would have achieved the goal, but you quit. So in the spiritual sense, we can never quit because we don't know when the goal is going to be achieved. Right? And we don't want to put in a lot of effort. And, and of course, there's other people helping us as well. It's not just our effort. We have all kinds of people helping us, directly or indirectly. And to just quit and throw it all away, that's, in, spiritually, that's a waste. So, now, there are times when, you know, we have to uh, respect the law of rhythm and we have to understand that sometimes you may practice really well. You know, you may do your practice to the letter and other times you may not do it so well. And these are all the ups and downs of life. You know, the tide comes in, the tide goes out. The sun rises, the sun sets. I mean, life has a rhythm and we can't, you know, we're not robots. <laughs> we can't just act the same way every day with the same uh, results. So we have to respect the law of rhythm. But at the same time, we have to keep at it and um, and just wait. I think that's a big part of spirituality, actually, just waiting. Waiting for that state to be uh, bestowed upon you. And in the, it's either in the Vedas, <coughs> excuse me, it's either in the Vedas or the Gita where, and my spiritual guide has quoted this, so I'm probably not quoting it word for word, but you'll get the idea. He basically said that He says, you're, <clears throat> excuse me, and this is the Lord speaking, right? This is God talking, which we know God doesn't talk, but you, you understand. He says, your practice, your spiritual practice is not what will will achieve the goal for you. Or no, wait, wait a minute. He says, the goal is not you'll reach the goal not because of your spiritual practice but because i give it to you so this idea that we we need to practice and we need to do our part but on some level on some higher level which we don't understand um god is going to give us our goal whenever 
he wishes. <laughs> and again, I don't like the word he for God, but you know, I don't, there's no other way to say it. So we have to, <clears throat> we have to keep at it and, uh, and try and enjoy it along the way. And also know that we're on the right path. Uh, and again, this comes back to listening to your heart and just, and your conscience and knowing that you're doing the right thing. And like James Allen says, if you do the right thing, you will achieve good results and you will reach the goal, period. There's no question. So I guess that's a little bit of the message for today. You know, don't quit three feet from gold. And, uh, <coughs> wow, excuse me. Yeah, I didn't get to tell the other story, but... But this has been great. I thank you for listening. I hope you got some value from some of this. I hope some of these topics are sort of uh, ruminating or uh, what's that word? Simmering in your your mind. And um, maybe you can think about these during the day. Maybe you can talk to someone about these ideas. You know, certain people love to talk about this and might be a good opportunity for you to uh, spark some conversation. And you can tell them that you listen to The Mystic Show as well. So thank you for listening. And and, uh, as you move through your day, keep hold of this good vibration. Maybe smile a little bit. There you go. I could see you smiling. And as always... Keep shining. <laughs>